Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 160, recording this on 11th November 2015. I'm Steve Litchfield, with me I have the voice of sanity, Rafe Blanford. I'm not quite sure about the voice of sanity, but yes, time for another uh, Windows Phone looking podcast. We've got a, a bunch of things to get through. We're edging ever closer to the release of those Windows 10 mobile devices. The Insider program is continuing to crack out kind of new builds and things like that. Um, as well as all the other usual news and stories we try and get through. So uh, lots to get through this week, Steve. Yes. Did you know that All About Windows Phone has its own uh, brand new Windows Phone app store? <laughs> I didn't know that, no. If you look on the front page, what I've tried to do is something I've been uh, wanting to do for ages, really. I finally decided that now I had to bite the bullet. Um, and uh, the, the Windows Phone and uh, Windows 10 mobile store claims around half a million applications, Rafe. And of those half a million, my contention is that you only actually need about two or three hundred. Um, so I, I, using a bit of uh, crowdsourcing, I went through about um, 10 different people and some of our lovely uh, commenters on the site. And we've kind of pulled together the, the best two or three hundred applications, the stuff that people actually use day to day. And I know there's a lo- whole long tail argument of stuff that's only relevant to one, one club, one organization, one country, etc. But I wanted to get a directory of the best the most useful applications for for our platform so that new, newcomers or perhaps uh, just hard reset their phone can just take a look at that and get some inspiration because it's you, know, you you start off with a brand new phone you think well where do i start and just typing things into the the Windows Store, you just as likely to end up with fakes and clones and stuff that's misleading. Whereas if you go via the all all singing, all dancing, all about Windows Phone directory, then you <laughs> you get the right links and the right information. I was a bit concerned that I'd missed some massive story about a third party app store <laughs> launching on uh, on Windows. But actually, th- this is great because, of course, for a lot of people, they don't want to spend all their time searching through the app store. And it's probably the question I most frequently ask. You know. What are the essential apps for Windows Phone for people who've just picked up a, a device for the first time? And you're absolutely right to say for a lot of people, there's going to be the top 10 or 20 apps are going to look very similar. You know, the things like Facebook and Instagram, but then there's the ones just below that that you sort of wonder, are they available? You know, what's good in this space in terms of, you know, the applications related to the camera or imaging or you know, some of the productivities or utilities, which do tend to vary from platform to platform. So I think this is uh, really useful. I guess the second component of this, which you can't really include in it, Steve, is for all the what I might call local specific applications. So that might be your banking application or some of the more um, the rarer retail ones. So, you know, Amazon's an obvious one that applies a lot across a lot of countries, but then there may be a specific app you know, for the UK or for another another market. And we I'm I'm looking through this list which I'm sort of nodding as I go through it and sort of um being slightly horrified that um there's pretty much every app on my phone is probably in this list. So I'm clearly not as cutting edge as I thought I was. Um but yeah, it, it's a good way of doing it. And I, I would say yes, with half a million apps in the app store, you do sometimes wonder um, you know, how many of them are useful how many of them are actually installed beyond sort of a couple of hundred. Because if you look at the kind of breakdown of the statistics, if you take the most popular app, which is typically something like Facebook or one of the other big, you know, ones that has global presence, and then compare everything against it, you don't have to go very far down the list. You can get down to kind of app number 60 and you're reaching something like 
5% of people who've got Facebook installed have that app installed and you go a bit further and it, that, that number drops very quickly. So once you're out of the top 500 apps or so, you're talking about a reach compared to the most popular app of something like 0.001%, which just goes to show, you know, that is the long tail that always gets talked about. But the long tail, um, don't get me wrong, it's, it's very important. But for your, you know, critical apps, this directory is going to be uh, an invaluable resource. Yeah, one question was brought up in the comments was, uh, Steve, are you going to do a, a list of applications which haven't been updated for more than two years? <laughs> I said, no, that would be far too depressing. And it was quite fairly evident, actually, if you follow the links back. I mean, I tried to link to our own um, review coverage or featured coverage so that people had a bit of context as to each application rather than just going straight off to the store. Obviously, we have a link to the store from within the, our own content. Um, but people did, did make the point, and I did observe, that quite a lot of these stories were two years old, and the applications, in some cases, haven't been updated for three years. Having said that, they still work fine for many people, and they were recommended in the comments. So I, I, I stand yeah. by including them, and uh, yeah, I hope it's a good resource for people. Yeah, I think Instagram Beach is probably the, the classic example of this, where I'm quite excited <laughs> when it came out. It's now, it's had a few minor updates, but they've more been about bug fixes. And actually, there's various bits of Instagram functionality that now aren't in this app. And so you're very definitely getting a, a substandard service compared to other platforms. Yeah, I mean, it, it still does the basics, but it really doesn't do Windows Phone's app ecosystem any favours when you have to make those kind of statements or what are effectively excuses. So it's perfectly understandable. Someone goes, you know, that's not the full Instagram experience. I'm not getting uh, what I want from it. And uh, yes, as you say, you know, the number of updates does tend to be much fewer. Oh, that's, oh, that's bad English. Um, on the Windows Phone <laughs> platform, sometimes though the quality of the apps argument is an interesting one because you do get some. But I mean, Fitbit is a, a good example. Where I think actually the app on Windows is presented in a way that's easier to use, more accessible than on some of the other platforms. But I, I would grant you that's rather the, the rare exception. It's going to be interesting, Steve, to see whether we see a bit more activity. Now we've got the universal apps, which kind of make it easier to justify for some of these companies doing a Windows app because, you know, the mobile one, it doesn't come for free, but it's perhaps a lesser effort because they're going to support Windows 10. And I think some good examples of this from the UK recently that we've had is the, the BBC Store application, which actually kind of launched you first on Windows, which is unusual. But I suspect the motivation for that was to be on Windows desktop and kind of getting windows phone or windows mobile 10 in this case uh, was kind of a nice added extra and actually we're seeing something similar from uh, the guardian app kind of returning to windows mobile as a, a platform but again i suspect it's more about it's a universal app because that's the way that's logical to now deliver them so that might you know the early signs are actually there may be some pretty positive news there for windows 10 mobile users that you're going to see a few apps that you might not otherwise have done and i think we can be pretty sure, for example, in the case of the BBC store, we're going to see more of those universal apps from the from the BBC. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how widespread that pattern becomes. Um, there is the argument against that, that there's kind of less of incentive to do the desktop apps, you know, the Windows 10 desktop apps, basically because people use less apps on, on desktop machines. And I think that's a, a reasonable comment. But at the same time, I, I, I don't think you should discount it altogether. Yeah, and we saw today actually announced at the Future Decoded event um, that the the box, which is a very high-profile enterprise cloud storage solution, and um, they've just announced today a brand new uh, Windows 
uh, universal application for mobile and for desktop, and uh, and you know really giving it some serious marketing push as well. So and that box is a very high profile example. Things like Dropbox, things like Skype, as you say, things like BBC Store. Almost every day now we're seeing one high profile universal application hit mobile and desktop and as i think there really is a a trend here i think within a couple of months we're going to see at least another couple of dozen high profile examples of that and it's got to be good for mobile in the long run yeah and i think the case of box is an interesting one because there there is a windows phone app that actually works pretty well but having the kind of the same app across both platforms clearly means it's more likely to be updated frequently i actually think we're going to see a lot of activity in that kind of enterprise productivity business space because it's really where windows is strongest and actually the promise of windows 10 mobile and universal apps you know is strongest there and it makes sense for companies to make those kind of investments because of course you know there will always be desktop windows in big corporations in the enterprise space and if they can also reach across onto mobile and it's not just uh, you know the phones it's also the tablets as well and as we'll maybe touch on a bit later, you know, it has some interesting implications for what you can do with Continuum as well with some of the high-end Windows 10 mobile devices. Yeah, well, actually, let's go there because I mentioned Future Decoded and you did pop along to the Future Decoded event and you had a play not only with the new two Lumias, the 950 and 950XL, but you also got to play with them in a, the context of Continuum. So I have to ask you, Rafe, is it as impressive in reality, hands-on? Do you get the feel that this is a really usable solution that people will want to use? All we've seen so far are the promo videos. So Continuum actually managed to impress me more than I thought it would. Uh I saw it in a couple of contexts. There was kind of a mocked up being able to ride in a van and kind of the idea that you'd be doing fleet logistic type applications. But it kind of opened up my mind a bit to what Continue could be useful because we talked about it as kind of the mobile sales tool and maybe using it in hotels. But I, I think it has the potential to be more than that because it really does feel like it offers I'm reluctant to say a full computer experience because it doesn't, but certainly in those productivity and business applications, it's very strong indeed. And it certainly feels as capable as kind of one of the lower end Windows laptops or tablet devices. Um, and so it's offering more than you get from, say, uh, Android or iOS tablet. And that to me was kind of the, the critical thing because I was expecting it to be kind of similar to that, just a bigger screen version. But no, it, it, you know, you get that true sense of multitasking applications being able to operate in the background. You know, it, it, it's hard to define it um, in simple words because, you know, I only had a short amount of time with it, but it just seemed to be a full fulfillment of what was promised. Now, there is the caveat that not all applications work in continuum mode in the sense that some will only operate on the phone, but it does do a good job of handing back and saying, you know, that doesn't work on, on continuum mode. Would you like to open it on the phone? And so to me, that's an acceptable trade-off. And I think we'll see more and more universal apps kind of support both. And obviously the, the Microsoft apps, all the, those universal apps do work and that cover off most of the really critical stuff, you know, in terms of, you know, the office applications, calendar, um, and you know outlook and things like that but there's some nice extras like you can use maps and because of course it can use the gps in the phone that can then be you know seen on the desktop version as well as you like and that's kind of interesting for the fleet logistics and gps tools so previously companies might have to have installed something you know to have a big screen because they're you know it just the phone wasn't big enough or wasn't doing the job for fleet logistics and you know operations management i'm thinking you know delivery of packages or you know doing uh, work on services where there's a lot of forms to fill in or something like that and actually it potentially could cut costs quite significantly there so i think as an enterprise solution continuum 
holds more promise than I thought. Now, in terms of the consumer version, plugging it into a TV, no real change on what we said before. I'm a little bit sceptical about how useful that really becomes for most consumers because I think if you've got a high-end continuum-capable phone, there's a good chance that you'll you know, probably have a laptop or a desktop as well. And some of the utility of that is less, you know, certainly in the sort of day-to-day home environment in the office. But there's no denying that if you just take a phone, a couple of cables and you know, fold up keyboard or mouse, and actually those are optional, um, plus the dock or the display adapter, it's, you know, a truly mobile package and it's very small. And, you know, for the road warrior that in the hotel scenario, yeah, I can see that making sense. And, you know, what people kind of need to realize is it really is the full version of office. It certainly in the, the read mode, some of the editing stuff is, is not quite there. It's actually, if you use the kind of touch versions of office on windows 10, you're kind of getting equivalent to that um, because that is the universal office app. Uh, and so for that ability, say to give a presentation complete with all the animations, but still do quite a bit of the editing, particularly of the content, um, it's absolutely capable of doing that in a way that I haven't really seen any other mobile solution do. Yeah. It's not in quite such a seamless way. Now, you can do it with the iPad and with kind of various display adapters or, you know, using mirroring of, of some kind or another. But just in terms of the ease of which it was set up, you know, plugged in the cable and away you go. The other thing to, I would note about Continuum is there's actually quite a lot of options there in terms of how it's going to work. So you can actually use the phone as a mouse and you can use the keyboard from the phone as well, or you can use it to mirror the displays in different ways. So you can kind of have a primary and a secondary screen, or you can use the phone standalone. So there's actually a lot of options in configurability in there. Now, what exactly it's going to be hasn't been finalized because they're still working on that continuum app, but I hadn't quite appreciated they were offering quite a bit beyond just that simple, oh, here's what you're seeing on the phone, it's mirrored up. Um, actually, there should be quite a lot of configuration there, and it's perfectly possible to use Continuum without taking a mouse and a keyboard along. And so if you're trying to do that presentation-style mode or if you like that read-only mode, you could just take your phone and the cable and the small uh, display or display dock, which actually is probably one of the nicest accessories I've seen. You look at it in the pitch and it looks like it's sort of a plastic thing, but actually it's quite solid, heavy. It's got a kind of metal around the outside. And actually the design of it is really very nice indeed as an accessory. Yeah. Yeah. I did see actually the um, Qualcomm uh, in the last couple of days have announced their Snapdragon 820, the next generation of chips for 2016 smartphones or certainly the flagships. And part of that was actually they, they kind of this continuum-like system where you plug your, you, you rest your Android smartphone with a Snapdragon 820 chip in on this special dock. That's a want of a better word, and it, then it mirrors the screen up to a full like a desktop experience. But that is literally just screen mirroring. No other mobile OS has actually, or OS, not even mobile. No other operating system has got that flexibility to traverse the different form factors. So I think you're absolutely right. There is there is potential here that I don't think anybody's really grasped. I, I can't even get my head fully around it. And I think we'll take a couple of months um, for third-party application developers to get behind it as well and trust to really see what all the things that Microsoft has got envisioned. Clearly, Satya Nadella knows what he's doing here. Um, <laughs> I, I think we, we, we've clearly seen some evidence of, the, evidence of that. I don't think we just quite have grasped the, the breadth of his vision yet. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, the thing 
I think the best way to describe it is you are essentially getting a version of Windows 10, the desktop version, powered from your phone up on the big screen. Now, there are some differences, but I would say for the average user who's using the kind of the basic set of applications, or I should call it basic, using the core set of applications, the continuum experience will feel more like you're running a Windows 10 desktop version then it feels like you're running a windows 10 mobile version mirrored up and kind of blown up and i think that's a really important distinction because previous attempts at doing this have very much been mirroring up and making the bigger one or kind of doing a custom thing that was some sort of franken os and and just didn't (laughs) feel familiar whereas if you're a windows 10 user you will immediately understand how everything works in continuum from the start menu to you know the way you switch between applications and I think that's a really, really important point because, you know, it reduces the amount of training that you potentially have to do, which for enterprise is really important. So as I say, um, of the things I saw, Continuum was by far away the most impressive. Will I use it in my personal life? You know, because I've got access to multiple computers and tend to be home office, uh, I'm not absolutely sure. Having said that, there is something that appeals quite a lot about doing everything from your phone. And so I can see the utility of it. And particularly, you know, if you buy into the cloud thing and have all your data stored there, you know, you could just take your phone and take that if you're doing a presentation in another office or, you know, you're visiting a friend's house or whatever. And that becomes really interesting. Um, it does require kind of some thought change and behavior change. Um, and I think I have to try and, you know, step outside what will be my own usage scenarios and go, I can absolutely see the utility of this because the implementation of it is that much better than anything I've, I've seen before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, students start to spring to mind as well, because actually you could probably do all of your basic uh, word processing, all your office stuff. And, you know, a lot of the social and web activity using this. Now, of course, most people are also going to want to have a laptop as well, but it starts to bring to mind what might happen in the future. And as you say, um, you know, there isn't really anything matching elsewhere. So I think, think that's important. Um, and so I think you can't dismiss it out of hand at the same time. You, by all means, don't, don't overhype it. But yeah, very clever technology. And it was, uh, it was well demoed, which is perhaps, um, one of the reasons for, for the enthusiasm I'm showing, you know, a lot of passionate people who really, uh, believe that this was something a bit different and unique. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. Obviously, you were playing with the, the new hardware, mm. the phone hardware as well. Now, we've seen a lot about the 950 and 950XL so far, most of it concentrating from my point of view, certainly on the specifications, the functionality. I mean, they, these devices really have got the lot, literally, in capital letters, everything bars in and flash, which I think is a, a shit that's sailing <laughs> off in the sunset. But apart from that, these phones, they really do have everything that anyone's ever wanted out of a smartphone in terms of specifications. But um, the, the big question many people have had is how big do they feel in the hand what's the the build quality like and what's your overall impression from picking these beasts up for the first time uh, it was positive. I, I do have to tell one story. I ran into a listener to the uh, All About Windows 7 podcast who talked about the specifications and actually specifically mentioned Stephen Zenon Flash. So uh, it was great to have a, great to have a conversation um, with uh, someone who's a regular listener and actually you know, deep discussion about the device and helped me uh, think about it for this podcast. But But to answer your question, the 950XL was smaller than I thought it would be. And the 950 was slightly larger, if that makes any sense. They were much closer together <laughs> than I, I thought they would be. Um, I would say the design feels a little bit too conservative for my liking. You know, don't get me wrong, there isn't anything spectacularly wrong with them. But given that these are high-end devices, 
it, it doesn't feel quite as refined as say the design of the 930 or even the 830 did with the kind of the metal band around the outside these are you know very much polycarbonate centric which i don't object to because i think they can feel like a high-end experience and think uh, over the years knocking the microsoft has done a good job in making those polycarbonate devices its own but maybe it's the fact that they only come in black and white it just makes it feel like a very conservative choice you know if they'd chosen to do a you know a bright blue or a green or an orange it would have felt more like a a device from the the nokia school of design and you know some of the touches on it for for example the rings around the camera feel just a little bit i don't want to say naff because that's not quite what i felt it just didn't inspire me or feel quite as cohesive as perhaps it should do and i'm being really picky and, and critical here because <laughs> um you know i think that's that's what you need to do uh because the rest of the devices you say are, are very impressive in terms of the screen technology the camera it's got the irish recognition it's got the removable memory the removable battery all of those kind of things and certainly no question they feel very solid in the hand they feel like an expensive piece of equipment but i would just say some of the looks feel i would say it's sort of just some of that character uh, that you associated with nokia design in particular feels like it's gone away it's a bit more almost like some of the microsoft imprint has, has rubbed off and it, it's unfair to say because actually microsoft has produced some amazing devices in the surface book which i also had a chance to look at and the surface pro 4 but it's just a little bit of conservatism in that form factor which i think you know designed by committee or something like that um, as I say, I, I'm perhaps being a little bit harsh, but there were just a few details I thought yeah, that could have been a little bit better. And in terms of the actual, you know, design, it's it's fairly safe choices in terms of, you know, there's yeah. no curved edges to the glass. It's sort of quite blocky. There is a polycarbonate thing on the back, which works well. And actually looking at the back of the devices, they look very nice. Maybe ignoring the 950s camera ring, which said, I think that's a very subjective and personal thing anyway. Um but you know the the buttons on the side in the right place. I kind of miss the fact that there isn't a you know dedicated Windows button. So you know, there are some design choices up that have made that perhaps I wouldn't have done. Um, but overall, you kind of get blown away by how far the devices have moved on in terms of the specification. Particularly if, like me, you've been using an eight thirty, or even if you've been using one of the higher end devices, the hardware kind of you go great that's been updated but it really pales into insignificant next to the software updates that have gone on and it really brought home to me how big a step up windows 10 mobile is and it's partly that association with windows 10 on the desktop but things like having the full versions of word powerpoint and excel and if you've been using the insider program you probably already appreciate this but if you haven't I think, you know, the biggest change is not hardware and actually hardware is kind of not really the story here. It really is about Windows 10 mobile and some of the things that then connect back into the hardware like Continuum, like Windows Hello, which is the Irish recognition, the logon system, and then some of the other capabilities. It's just faster and therefore able to do more. And the performance um, from what I saw was very impressive indeed you know, in terms of opening up big office files, you know, dealing with some of the bigger images and things like that and so we talked a little bit about last week about how windows 10 mobile might have some performance issues on devices that were originally intended for windows phone 8 and we said caveated around that but actually you see windows 10 mobile running on the newer hardware which is obviously a generation ahead in terms of all the process and everything else and it really is very quick indeed so holds a lot of promise yeah. given that you know we're now i guess three three weeks or so away from them hitting shop shelves and maybe a little bit sooner in some markets 
Yeah, my, my ears kept hearing Irish recognition. I wonder whether it works for Scottish people, Welsh people, and, and English people as well, Rafe. Uh, I, I, as far as I know, it does. But I, I suspect if you're wearing an eye patch, that might not work. <laughs> uh, did you actually? I presume you didn't have time to actually try the Irish recognition as I, part of your I, hands-on. I, I didn't. Um, I did talk to a couple of people about it. And they said actually, it's faster than uh, people might imagine because you kind of imagine having to line up your eye or something. But no, it's actually very <laughs> clever at identifying what it's what it's looking at. So if you just hold it in front of you, it's about the same amount of time it would take you to sort of reach for the button and starting to do the swipe. It will will get unlocked. Um, it is interestingly still labelled as beta. So uh, yeah, I think there's probably some refinement still ongoing there. And uh, you know, if I'm honest, I'd probably have rather seen something in the, the touch domain, but that's probably because I've got used to it with Touch ID and kind of Nexus imprint on iOS and Android respectively. So I, I'm willing to you know um, give it a go and see how it works. Um, and I'm very keen to see it kind of used in applications beyond just unlock. Does um, Windows 10 Mobile and these new devices, do they have any equivalent at all to Android Smart Lock? And I should just explain for listeners what that is, is that the uh, concept of a device knowing what's around it, i.e. you're in a particular Wi-Fi zone, a particular GPS location, or around a particular Bluetooth Bluetooth accessory, for example, a smartwatch, and when it's in one of those trusted places, zones, or environments, if the device stays unlocked, i.e. it only actually locks itself, you only ever see a lock screen when you're out of that comfortable environment. Is there anything equivalent to that, either then at the moment or coming up? Uh, that's a good question. I certainly didn't see anything like that, um, and I haven't heard anything uh, around that either, but you do imagine it's one of the more natural things that if you've got, say, yeah. a Microsoft band, it would, would be a logical thing to do and yeah. certainly or if you're you know near your desktop computer or something like that you know within the home environment um you know androids obviously that sort of software can be added on it's built into the platform in that case but uh, i suspect it would be harder for a third party to do that on, on windows 10 mobile um and you know it's like every platform there are some things that the platform can do that you can't do on other platforms and uh i think for for you know people who are using windows phone the thing to realize about Windows 10 Mobile is it feels a lot closer to Windows 10 in the desktop. I think it does sacrifice in doing that some of the simplicity and ease of use that Windows Phone had. I think it's inevitable when you add more complexity to a system that it becomes more difficult to use, but it's not a linear relationship, so it's not got really a lot more difficult. The, the things I would talk about is some of the relocation of um, some of the menu items. So you will find that on occasion, you will have to reach up the top of the screen more. And some of that purity of the original Windows phone design language, I feel, has been lost a bit. Um, I think that's partly inevitable given this kind of move towards being a more capable platform and also universal apps, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of cause that to happen. I'm honestly still on the fence about it. I would have to use one of those devices and not just the kind of inside program, which I've kind of been picking up, not using as my main device if i'm honest um i think i'd probably get used to it very quickly um and i think that that idea of using a device entirely one-handed you know 99 percent of the time has started to go away with some of the bigger devices anyway you know when you're using a, a screen that's 5.7 inches in the case of the 950 xl or even the 950 with its smaller screen there are going to be times when you will just have to use uh you know your second hand to get to some of the functions um, that said, you know, a lot of it, you know, the core stuff, yes, absolutely, you can can still do one-handed, but there is definitely a trade-off there. You know, I think uh, you know, 
we always try and talk about these things honestly on on this podcast um there is loads of excitement there's lots and lots of promise and hopefully some of the enthusiasm for stuff like continuum and uh the new software features and kind of the cohesiveness of that windows experience has come across but i think there will be people particularly if you're kind of used to using windows phone more in isolation and, and don't really buy into the cloud and the, the wider vision of windows so much who, who may be disappointed by by the new software and to a certain extent by the new hardware as well because you know i think if you're you know, concentrated on the phone side of things, you're looking for something a bit more interesting in the design. As I say, it is, it is to me quite conservative. Um, so it's going to entirely depend on your perspective, how you respond to that. I think if you're, you know, particularly if you come from the Nokia school and you're kind of really identify strongly with that and with the device being very much centric to your experience, there will be some disappointments in the 950, 950 XL and Windows 10 mobile. If you sort of kind of evolved um, as the devices have developed and as the software sort of changed over the last few years, I think you'll be, you know, you will kind of have some reminiscence. If you come from the Microsoft side of things, I think you're going to find lots and lots to like about it. And you will probably have, you know, you're maybe less baggage with you or less of history around the devices. And so, you know, it, it's an interesting question in particular, then, of course, when you, you kind of posit the existence of a Surface phone in the next few months, which might sort of bring back that whole design question. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one to watch. I'm really keen to see what other people think of the phone. But, um, you know, I had sort of wondered where, in seeing these, would I would I lose some of the enthusiasm for them? But actually I came away more impressed than I thought I would be. And kind of with an added result, that's the phone I really want to switch to and use for the next 12 months. Yeah, I did give you the uh, homework last week, Rafe, that you would actually get around to, um, now, there was, now there was no excuse anymore in terms of the build compatibility, that you would upgrade one of your devices to Windows 10 Mobile Insider's program. So which device did you sacrifice? I upgraded my 1520 because that's kind of been my test device and I thought I'd better get it on with it because I didn't want Steve angry at me um, again for having not updated. Um, I will confess I'm still installing some of the apps that I use on a regular basis and kind of getting it customized to how I look. I decided rather than to kind of do an an update from a, a backup, I'd actually start from fresh and, you know, kind of go through the full experience. And actually you've documented it also yeah. on the website so people can see what that's like. And um, as with all the modern OSs, there seem to be a lot of steps to get through, but it does allow you to have a lot of control and it works very well on the 1520. There's actually some nice touches if you use it on other things like task switching, for example, you'll see, more uh, more screens or more applications running at a glance um but also you know it does bring home the promise actually there's been some updates to the photos application as well recently some nice touches in yeah. there and so it just does feel pretty much ready for prime town now my understanding is there's actually one more update due which is going to be basically the version that the 950 and the 950xl launch on it should be arriving in the next day or two and after that there will continue to be new insider builds but if you like that retail version of windows 10 mobile will finally be with us and certainly given they've squashed some of the bugs that were in the previous builds and notably the update one so again you'll be able to get updates as they're right rather than having to do a, a full reset and kind of replace the software um it's looking really good i guess if i was going to have one really minor complaint and this is uh something i, I remember commenting on on the very first bill i saw I'm still not sure I like the relatively 
uh, reduce separation between the tiles. If you look at a Windows 10 mobile device, the, the gap, the gutter between each of the tiles is actually much smaller than it is on, on Windows Phone. And I guess I've just got to get used to that. I, I kind of liked my spacing as it was, and that, <laughs> that, that's changed. But I'd say I'm, I'm kind of being slightly facetious and, and picky there because um, there, there's so much to discover. Actually, I'm discovering new things, even as we talk on the podcast and playing with it. Um, one of the things that, you know, if you haven't gone through this process at all yet, you'll find actually it takes quite a long time because you have to install the new version, but then you have to wait a couple of hours while everything syncs in the background and there's uh, about 50 app updates that need to be installed. And it, it's worth saying that you need to wait for that to happen before you start to have your first play. Otherwise, you got, might get a slight, um, slightly the wrong impression of how quick it is yeah. and indeed, you know, the functionality of it. Uh, I noticed you commented on that on your in your feature article as well. But um, I'd actually look, be interested to see what you think of this uh, this new build as well, Steve, because you've been going through this and actually probably using it more more regularly than I have. Yeah, I've been very impressed actually. I I wrote an article about a month ago in which I proclaimed that uh, Windows Phone uh, t- sorry Windows Ten Mobile was more quote grown up than Windows Phone eight point one, and I stand by that. Once you've actually used um, Ten Windows Ten Mobile for a while and you've got the full version of Maps, the full version of Office, the you know, even Outlook, I'm kind of growing to like. Once you've <laughs> used all these desktop quality applications. Uh, to go back to 8.1, which I've had to do a few times because of, you know, resetting to get the new Insiders build. So I've been delving back into 8.1 for brief periods. And 8.1 kind of looks a bit like a toy. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that. But if you then, to put it into perspective, if you then go back another three or four years, Rafe, and look at things like the even the Lumia 800 and then beyond that to the old Nokia's running a, a Symbian S60 and S65 edition, um, they, they kind of, you, t- you pick any of those up, they look like toys now. It's, it is quite impressive, really, how the smartphone world has grown on. And a lot of that's due to the, the processor speeds increasing, the amount of RAM increasing, uh, and, and you know, the screen resolutions and size increasing, so that the, this, the sheer scope of what you're expecting from this, this mirac- microprocessor miracle in your hands is growing all the time. And I, I do think with Windows 10 Mobile that, uh, that the OS is certainly very competitive. There are minor performance concerns on some of the older S4 based devices like 1020 but of course that has its own unique hardware I do worry for people who are upgrading from for example an 820 and 920 and 925 and a favourite devices of ours from two or three years ago um, they're going to get the update notice in a couple of months time and said, you know would you like to upgrade to Windows 10 Mobile and I really don't see that Microsoft with all the debugging in the world is going to get the performance to the level where they think well I'm happy with this I think they will there will be some complaints and there will be a case for staying on 8.1 for some of those older devices. But for certainly anything with an X100 based uh, processor like 640, uh, 735, 830, 930, etc., it's an absolute no-brainer to go to Windows 10 Mobile and enjoy better applications and performance, which is pr- pretty decent after all. Yeah, I mean, I would actually say that if you're on one of the 820 or 920 devices, and you don't want to pay the full whack for a new Windows 10 mobile device, which I have to say they are pretty expensive. And it's going to be a, probably a little while before we see kind of mid-tier or more reasonably priced devices. Do have a careful look at something like the 640, which you can pick up relatively cheaply and will give you a Windows 10 mobile experience that is actually going to be pretty top-notch. If I was going to recommend a device for that, 
I would probably say think about the 640XL or maybe the 830. Now, you may end up sacrificing a little bit in terms of something like camera performance, although the 830 is very capable and so is 640 in that department. I think you'll probably get on better with that than a full upgrade. Now, obviously, that requires an outlay. You may want to wait. The other option is to obviously not upgrade at all. But I, I do agree with you. There's a, an issue that I, it, it's kind of um, it happens right across mobile um, it's if you're using, say, an iPhone 5 and you're running iOS 9, you will notice slowdown at times. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm going to try and use a device in that circumstances for a week or two once it's once it's available uh, to kind of see how acute that is. Um, I suspect we might be a little more... Um, I think we may be more worried about that because we're actually used to using faster devices. So you almost notice it more when you switch back to one of the older devices and have the benefit of being able to compare and contrast between devices. You know, from my experience on the Insider program, actually the the performance differences, you don't tend to notice that much because it's not like you think, oh, that's a that's a spinning symbol or you're waiting for something to happen so yeah um, it's interesting you say that i i'm not sure how big a deal that is um having said that i haven't tried it on the 1020 so i have to take your word for it there um, but i i did like the point you made about it kind of being more grown up and capable and you, the thing is it's quite hard to realize that because you look at it and actually the device may have got a little bit bigger in physical terms. There's, you know, th- there's still the live tiles on there that's still the same basic form factor. So it's not obvious at first glance what's changed. But then you kind of, as you say, you make that comparison between something like a Lumia 800 or even something a bit more recent like, a, say, the 920 uh, or get up to the 925, 930. And you actually realise there has been a huge step forward. And it, it is partly that's what happens in mobile. And you can do exactly the same on the other devices. I mean, it's very much like, uh, you know, having access to something like a iPhone 4S or 5 and then comparing it to the iPhone 6, which actually, you know, that was a big step forward. But equally, well, go back to some of the Android devices when they were running, you know, Jelly Bean or that kind of level of software and then compare it to one running, you know, um, Lollipop or Marshmallow. And you'll notice a big step forward. And because we're kind of constantly using these devices and updating I think we sometimes lose sight of how quickly and how far things have moved. Um, what's going to be interesting, I think the Windows Phone and now the Windows 10 mobile world is going to notice that particularly because there is such a big step in this case, because it's happening on both the software and the hardware side at the same time. Um, yes, yes. Because things have been less developed in the Windows world, you know, on Android and iOS, you've seen that kind of yearly update. And so it's been much more iterative. And I'm not saying that it's revolutionary on Windows, but it is a far more noticeable update than it is on the other platforms that have gone through this, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I just wanted to put a bit of a flesh on something you mentioned. There is a build uh, Insiders program 10586, which hasn't been released yet. We're expecting it probably tomorrow, which is Thursday. Um, as we record this, uh, and that will be the what's quoted as the RTM, the one they're actually going to send out to the the, the people actually physically um, flashing the the retail units that are going to go into boxes and be sold in a couple of weeks' time. Um, that that's the, the the word on the street. I should absolutely emphasize, though, um, we've mentioned uh, upgrading uh, existing Windows Phone devices to Windows 10 Mobile. The over-the-air updates, the 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 the, the firmware, the the operating system version that's going to be appropriate for upgrading these older phones 
phones, even the, the, the more modern phones like the 640, the 930, etc., even that has still not been finished. This, they've still got another month or so worth of testing, tweaking, fixing bugs, and smoothing that process so that someone with a real user with real data will do the update and not lose all, half his stuff. And we're, we're used to living on the bleeding edge, Rafe, but they have still got about a month left to do all sorts of extra tweaking beyond 10586 to produce something that you know lets users update more reliably. Yeah, what we should say is it's basically feature complete. Um, and I think there will, as you say, be some polishing after that, particularly for the old devices. It's not yet clear exactly quite how quickly the rollout will happen. And you know, there is some information on what order that will happen to the devices. But the other thing that's worth saying, um, in common actually with the desktop version of Windows, the Insider program is going to continue past this build next week. And actually, if you choose to stay on it, you'll effectively be getting what would have maybe been referred to as Windows 10.1 mobile. And, you know, those version numbers, that's not going to apply anymore. But just as uh, actually the desktop version of Windows 10 is getting what's I think being referred to as the full update or the autumn update for us uh, uh, on this side of the pond, which is kind of the first big update for Windows 10. And I mean, I, I think you can probably think of it in terms of what used to be a, a GDR release uh, on Windows Phone or kind of a, a point release in, you know, going further back. Um, and so that Insider program will continue to update. And of course, also, we've said this time and time again, but worth mentioning that uh, all the apps are being updated separately. And so, you know, some fairly significant feature updates will come even after kind of this retail version of Windows 10 Mobile as you know, yeah. the, the apps add additional ones or indeed new apps are made available. And so I think the software story is going to be quite different in the sense that it will continue to evolve as we go forward. Um, you know, there is this milestone with the retail version um, and there is this milestone with the hardware being released, uh, but the functionality will continue to evolve because most users will only see that when they do this, you know, this big update or indeed when they buy a new device. And so it does feel like a, a big step change after that probably going to follow a pattern that looks a lot more like the android and ios worlds where there's probably you know big releases on maybe a six monthly or a yearly cycle and then kind of smaller app updates around that it does appear that microsoft is looking to try and do it in a kind of a, actually a shorter time period than ios and uh, android typically do things it'll be interesting to see whether they change the model um, that they use in time but yeah. uh, you know certainly microsoft has already done it now with windows 10 desktop to see how that you know, um, translates onto mobile. So in that sense, it's kind of exciting to to see what happens. And for those who like leaving on the bleeding edge and, you know, uh, aware that all the, uh, you know, the common folk are coming to join them on Windows 10 mobile, just stick with the insider program and you can still feel like a, a special little snowflake. <laughs> now, we're, Rafe, we're heading up towards 45 minutes, so I have two apologies I want to make. First of all, an apology to Richard Yates, who wrote in with an excellent question about OneDrive, and I think we're going to leave that for the next podcast and kick off the, the, that, that podcast with his question. So, sorry about that, Richard, but hopefully you've had 45 minutes of good chat in the meantime. Secondly, an apology to Rafe, because we actually haven't actually got to anything in the show notes yet. We've been nattering <laughs> for 45 minutes about future decoded Lumias and uh, Windows 10 Mobile, and we haven't got to any of the stories, I promise. So, we'll hold all of that for next week we'll draw a close to this and we definitely will be here uh, either tuesday or wednesday next week so i'll say goodbye and leave it to rafe to close it out yeah i'll say goodbye as well and i'm going to apologize to uh, Stephen to a certain our audience as well because i feel like i've been uh, talking a lot in this version of the podcast but i suppose that's rather what happens when you go off and get to be the first person from 
from the uh, dynamic duo to see the actual uh, new hardware that we spent so much time uh, talking about, or at least the first time we've been able to see it and have a, a proper play with it. Uh, so thank you for listening. Any feedback, it's always welcome. Yes, Richard, we promise to answer your question next time and we'll uh, answer any other listener questions we get to as well. We'll talk about some of the uh, new uh, updates, things like Groove Music also some of the other ones we expect to be released in the week we'll just have to be careful Steve because of course it looks like there will be a new build out as well so uh, we're going to have to <laughs> pack it into the next podcast but um, we're starting to keep and be a lot more disciplined about topics that we miss and so when we do that we'll get to them at some future point but uh, with all sorts of things coming up and I think there might be a new exciting accessory review on the site sometime in the next week so no doubt that'll be part of the, the podcast next time round as well so as ever thanks for listening and tune in next time <laughs>